Good morning. My name is Jenny Althaus, and I'm a counselor and life coach and member of the ACA. In my experiences with clients and my own research, I have come to learn from and appreciate those special people who have spoken about or written on positive psychology and well being with the lens of the Torah. In this vein, I am very, very excited to interview this morning a very special guest. Kalman Rubin from Melbourne, Australia. And I'm very grateful to you, Kalman, for giving us the time, especially that you mentioned to me that today is your great-great-grandfather, Dr. Simon Lefkowitz's yard site. So the Hashgacha practice is incredible. We didn't know that when I originally booked this uh, interview with you. So that's very special and wishing that his neshama should have an aliyah. And apparently I understand that your great-grandfather, great-great-grandfather actually, shares a birthday a day apart from you and was a medical doctor who lived in Philadelphia and Pennsylvania. Is that right? That's correct. So, Kalman, uh, you have been an example to the Melbourne community in regards to psychotherapy and Torah views and helping many people in the community who were needing guidance and using your specialties in clinical counseling and family law mediation since 1978. Can I ask you a few questions? Because I think the audience would appreciate to hear your view on, you know, issues that we're all struggling with today, if that's okay. Pleasure. I, I, Sterney, I just want to thank you for allowing me to be part of this. And um, I'm really happy to do this because to me, I have a passion for the ability to help people and to let people recognize their true worth and who they really are. And that's, that's just something really important. It's our, our ability to be healthy and have happy relationships and, and good marriages and just doing the right thing is the very fabric of life, which is probably one of the most fundamental parts of our, of our Torah. And that is to live and to make something and do something that's meaningful. So thank you for allowing me the opportunity to be with you on this journey today. Thank you, it's an absolute pleasure. And I'm so honored that you agreed to be here. And I understand um, that you have a very varied background in psychology with many different specialties. May I ask specifically how you came to connect with Torah and how your journey from psychology and Torah merge? Good question. Probably would take a lot longer than this podcast. So I'll take, yeah, the simple version of it. And, and that is that as a child, I always was thinking about Hashem and thinking about higher things, um, as well as trying to appreciate the joy that I was blessed to be in a family who exhibited a lot of love, they had their own issues, but generally speaking, they were amazing mom and dad and just really presented a lot of love. So I knew as a child that one of the areas that I wanted to pursue was helping people. And so that sort of gravitated towards psychology. And as time went on, um, I was introduced to Chabad through various means and it just resonated because it made perfect sense. When you see authenticity and Torah is, is authentic, it resonates with you. And there's this level of optimism, you know, where you see that there's something happening that's in balance. And when you begin to feel that, that is one of the factors that sort of helps people create that homeostasis, that feeling that, hey, it's okay. And we're all doing okay here and we can make it and we can evolve and we can develop and we can really make something of our lives and have meaning and purpose. That's beautiful. And I understand you grew up in the United States. so. How did you end up in Melbourne, Australia? Grew up in Cleveland, Ohio. Met my wife, Timmy, who's an amazing, amazing life. Everybody in Melbourne and now everybody in the world, in fact, all around the world, they know Timmy. Um, she's just an amazing light. And we met through a matchmaker in Crown Heights. And uh, yeah, that, that's just started the best chapter of my life. That's so beautiful. I hope Timmy is listening. We love her, we adore her. And I think anyone who she's touched will remember her amazing life, as you say, and love of life 
And that gives you a beautiful feeling when you leave her, you feel uplifted. So that must have been very special to come to another country with someone you love and raising a family in Melbourne yes. um, with your professional, uh, you know, professional experience. That's uh, it's a wonderful combination. We came here in 1991 and we came with the Rebbe's blessings to come to Australia. So I, I had a sense of confidence as a result of knowing that with the Rebbe's behind us and with us. And then Timmy has an amazing, beautiful extended family who always welcomed us. And we've been welcomed by this community of Melbourne, which is just vibrant and alive and giving and really made some really beautiful friends and have been very fortunate to be an active part of this wonderful community. That's really special because coming to the other side of the world, you know, especially in the early 90s, so what that must be, you know, over 30 years ago, you know, it, it'd be difficult now with lockdown and not being able to travel to see your family. I can imagine that, you know, that's a difficult thing. I know I'm going through that myself coming in the 90s as well, 95. But I do feel that uh, as an American and as a fellow American and being it was just July 4th, it's interesting that Hashem prepares the steps of man and bringing people from different cultures together, you could see things differently. And I'm wondering in your experience in Australia, what is the most challenging issue facing families today or couples and marriages? Um, look, I think that the culture isn't any different in Australia than America and England and France and Israel and probably any country around the world. It's really that what we're looking at is the ability to connect with each other in a, in a busy time, the ability to create really mindful, loving relationships, mm -hmm. the ability to really appreciate the other person, to really feel that that person's important that I can think about them and to be able to really care enough about somebody else that you put yourself aside long enough to really leave that space for them and to make sure that their needs are being heard and being taken care of. It doesn't mean yours aren't being heard and taken care of. What it means is that you're leaving that space for another human being. So I think the challenge today, there's lots of them, you know, the quickness of pace, but as we know, that in everything in life, you can see it from two perspectives, from the negative or the positive. And the Rebbe always emphasizes that we look at life in the positive. And so the positive is, is that people are, have this unique opportunity, even during COVID, there's been a unique opportunity for families to really bond with each other in new ways, for individuals to bond with other people in new ways. Yes, it's been a lack of being able to do things and the lockdowns have been difficult and been really trying on people's emotions, but it's also allowed people to begin to explore maybe their inner resources, who they really are, and, um, and take a positive spin on things rather than a negative. And basic, you know, back to the basics in a way, spending time with the people we love and getting to know them better which is so special. And may I ask, um, Kalman, do you think psychotherapy is relevant for most people? Is it possible for someone to help themselves? Yeah, definitely it's possible to help yourself. But the thing about psychotherapy, <clears throat> and I thought about this question, it's, it's got an evolution to it. Initially, psychotherapy was probably starting somewhere around Freud and others. Um, and it really was dealing with the intrapsychic world of the person and trying to define the apparatus that's, that's operating. It evolved really in a unique way in a sense of that it left just being the intrapsychic to the more cognitive, more emotional sides of things, more relational side of things, attachment side of things, mindfulness side of things, social, educational. It's a very much more holistic systems approach these days but the idea is, is that we're all seeking to create whatever developmental theory you wanna look at, whether you wanna look at it from the primal theory of Torah, how it looks at the person and how they are a combination of an animal and a godly soul and how they're a combination of various other points that are all for purpose, all for meaning, or you wanna look at it more developmentally 
like any of the stages of development that in other theories and other points. The whole point though that we're driving at is, is that people are searching for meaning and they're searching for quality and they're searching for an optimal way of living. Ultimately, the resolution of our own world and our own thoughts and our own behaviors and our scripts and the things that we've gone through are leading people towards an actualization of something. And that's sort of what you might think is as the end game, healthy relationships, healthy self-esteem, but a purpose. And so, yeah, is it relative? Yeah, of course it's relative, but it's a tool. It's a tool just like any other tool. Can you help yourself? Of course you can. If a person's reflective, if a person is, you know, I, I realize, and I'm sure a lot of other people, you know, know this, that human beings, if you help them a bit, are very intuitive and they know how to heal themselves. It's really not as much as us being directive towards them. It's more allowing them the opportunity to explore the things that are important to them and to work past all kinds of obstacles that they might imagine they have or really do have, but to be able to make sense of it and sort of guide them some of that. So yes, psychotherapy or any kind of therapy, counseling, gestalt therapy, whatever therapy you're trained in, family therapy, they're all valuable tools, but they're all part of a bigger picture. And that bigger picture is the actualization of people that they fulfill their goals Wow. I love how you explain it. It's so um, beautiful and so relevant. And I was just wondering, in your experience, you've been uh, doing this for many years, I believe you said 1978. What are three points that we could take away to help us in our relationships or parenting challenges? I think that in your experiences, I'm sure that you've come across common patterns of behavior with people. I'm wondering if there's something that you could share with us that we could take away to help everybody, even if they've got a great relationship to make it even better or yeah. to be able to make it more um, focused. I would love to do it in just three. I'll, I'll try to remember a rule of thumb around our house is try to be more uh, brief, but it's a passion I have. And so to try to do it in three, it might be more difficult, but I think that to recognize, to be curious with each other, to have a sense of curiosity, to, the sense of caring enough about another person to be able to, to be with them and to be mindful of what they need, to build a thankfulness and appreciation towards, towards Hashem, towards God, that he created you and allowed you to be in this world and allows you to be in this world, allowed you to get married, allowed you to create a family to know that you have the courage to be able to look at things and to face things. And, and once we have that courage, once we go in there and we're able to take a look at what's really been going on and what bothers us, we make sense of it. Because when we're children, we don't make sense of some things because it's a bit overwhelming. But as we grow older, we have the ability and the intuition and the courage to be able to go back in and look at things. And those things that we're looking and resolving oftentimes will help us free ourselves up from patterns or scripts um, to love each other, to care about each other, to be honest with each other, to build emotional bank accounts, to find ways to show appreciation and respect to the other person. Um, in terms of another quality that's really important is friendship. And just the ability to open up your heart and your mind to another person People often think that um, the way they were brought up will limit them in life. And in some ways you can say it does, okay? But the way Hashem made us, we have a resiliency to us, an inner core. I've written a whole thesis about this and certainly it's not original. This is everything comes from the best therapists in the world from the Rebbe as in the mimers of the Rebbe. But Never, nevertheless, you have an essence of who you are as a person. And in Hasidus, it brings down that you have five levels to your soul. And I won't elaborate necessarily now, but the, the point is that the essence of who you are as a person can never be touched by the world around you. And when you learn to get back into that place, and sometimes it's a journey and sometimes you need guidance to get there. But once you learn to get there, 
you begin to experience a celebration in your life again. And the last of those points that I might have said, and I would elaborate on all this a lot more, but I don't think time will allow it, is to be able to communicate with each other, to be able to share what's important to you and be curious and thoughtful what's important to the other person. And oh, if time that's... allows, I want to share with you at some point a story of my great-great-grandfather. Sure. If, if, if time allows that, I'd love to share. Sure. You know what? Um, I really appreciate everything you said. It's so beautiful. Why can't you share it now? We'll listen now so we don't forget. Okay. So my great, great grandfather, Simon, was a medical doctor. He came from uh, Hungary and then Philadelphia and ended up in a small town called West Newton, Pennsylvania. And I've often used this story in counseling. And it goes like this. This would have been around the 1880s. So there was a young man in the town who thought he had a horse and buggy going around and around in his head. Mm. And he was going a bit crazy from that. So they came to my grandfather and they asked him, can you help him? He said, sure, bring him to the, to the uh, surgery. They bring him to surgery. The boy explains to him what, what went on. And he asked, can you help me? He says, sure. So he gave him a gas called ether, put him to sleep. And gave a little bit of a nudge, knock on his head with a rubber hammer and told the nurse to go get a horse and buggy and park it out front. Mm. She did. When he woke up, he said, oh, doctor, that was a strange operation. He says, oh, yeah, it was a hard one. Take a look outside. He looks outside and he sees the horse and buggy. And he goes, oh, thank you. So my great aunt, his daughter, taught me the story. And she smiled when she told me the story. And she said, the purpose of this story is that don't ever think you're entirely so right. Leave room for another opinion. Mm -hmm. Yes, and there's so many layers to that story, you know, that like you said before, with a little bit of help, you can remove so much doubt or issues that are blocking you or holding you back, speaking to someone, sharing it with someone, and, you know, waking up to a new reality that things don't have to hold us back and things don't have to be in our head. We can share it and get it out of our head. I mean, from and, that story. And thoughts, and thoughts, interesting enough, thoughts are deep and important. It's a very important part of the person. But thoughts are a bit fickle because if you're brighter than me in a subject, okay, you can convince my thoughts to do something different. Emotions are a bit more founded, so it's a bit harder to change an emotion. But a thought you can change, and that's why people have the ability to change the way they look at things, the way they yeah. perceive things. And yeah. going back to your other point, forgiveness is also another very important quality that helps couples, helps families, helps individuals. Yes, and yes. And will help our society. And it's so connected to what we know and learn about in the Torah, whether it's teshuva, reflecting on what we've done, thinking about it, making you know, taking upon ourselves to do better in the future and actually executing that, that whole concept of reflection and um, forgiveness, it's very much bound up in our Torah, That's as well as um, changing our thoughts and how our mind uh, controls our thoughts and uh, our heart really is affected by our thoughts and we can change those thoughts. We don't have to sit with them. We can alter them. You know, thinking positively can change even reality. Um, this is all Hasidus. It's so powerful. And I'm curious to know, with all the advancements in mental health and many of the stigmas removed, and with all this beautiful Torah knowledge that we have, why do you think people are still struggling so much? Well, it depends how you see it. First of all, I just want to, before I go there, I just wanted to reflect that the Torah is definitely the best paradigm of, of how to live your life. It may be that in the transmission of it from generation to generation, things might have gone this way or that way. Yeah. But when you look at the model of Abraham and Sarah, Abraham and Sarah, you look at different models like that, you see the epitome of what makes for a healthy relationship, give and take, purpose, something yeah. higher than you, good chemistry. In relation to your question about um, why in this generation it appears. It depends how you look at it. On one hand, maybe you're right. But on the other hand, it may be that people are finally allowing themselves to 
explore that inner world. And now they'll be able to apply various principles to help them in the resolution process. Because until, you know, you think about it, my grandparents' generations, my parents' generation, they would have been less likely to have been able to do self-reflection on self-change and help because they were more dedicated to, they have a mission, they have a purpose, they have a task, they went through World War II, they, they had things they need to accomplish, create families, and they were wonderful people. I, I honor them deeply, honor my father and mom, they're wonderful people. Um, I call my mom every day, she's an amazing person. Great. But, you know, our world today, we have a little bit more time, not in a way, and that is that people are reflecting more. So maybe it's a positive thing. The fact that it's heading towards something much more positive and we're more optimistic and, you know. And I imagine that also in generations past, people were just struggling to survive. Who had time to think about how you felt? That's right. Whereas, Thank God, Baruch Hashem, we're blessed today that, as you say, we have more time to reflect. We're able to, you know, practice our religion, raise our families and relative safety. And um, now we can actually think about, you know, the evolution of how our, even our, how our history has led us to different places in the world. And now that we're able to flourish, we have more time to think about these things. We're, Does that sound right? It sounds exactly right. We're thinking, it doesn't negate the dangers that exist today. Yes. But we have more ability as a world to create a more peaceful resolution in life. Yes, there are turbulence and there are things that are disturbing. I'm not trying to whitewash that. But the, the ability to create more peaceful resolutions is more apparent. If we look at this as an end game, where is it all heading to? Where's Hashem taking us to? On the on the one hand, you know, to get a bit more spiritual and just to digress for a second, is is the idea of Mashiach or a messianic experience. And what's that really going to entail? I mean, that's sort of the challenge of our generation today is to put our minds towards a world like that. When I was growing up in the 50s and 60s, we were thinking about things like peace and love and those kind of issues. But today it's much more, it's always been there. Torah's always emphasized this. But today, I think in some ways we see this dawn, this revelation that's coming and people yeah. are beginning to experience it. Yeah, and, and I think with the world becoming smaller and everyone able to travel among you know different countries, we're finding more common ground. And so to speak, we're putting down a proverbial warfare where finding what we have in common nations that haven't had any connections before today you know opening doors to each other it is the messianic times and speaking about issues as our chazal tell us it brings people closer by sharing these issues it brings people to a better understanding and so i love that positive attitude because you know the doomsday you know the people who talk about how bad things are they're missing out on the richness of what really is in the core of where our world is coming to. And this beautiful understanding and talking about and getting to the core of our issues with a positive spin, you can look at it in a very different way. I love that. You know, it's, it's not all bad, it's not all gloom. There's so much good and richness in our world. And um, I'm wondering on that note, how your core beliefs regarding marriage and relationships you know, are uh, affected by that in that same vein. Well, the, the positive thing behind everything is that Torah has never changed over all the thousands of years that Hashem has created existence and given us this blueprint for perfection and optimal living. It's never changed. And so it can weather every, every generation in every, every time and every place. And it's always been towards an evolution of reaching back to go back to what's the most normal, natural way of living. And that's to live in a world where it's optimal, where you're, you're at full development, you have full safety, full peace, and, and, all the, and you have great relationships. But on a practical level, in terms of core values and core beliefs, it's really around knowing that that person, let's take marriage for instance, that that person 
you know, it's it's an expression when when uh, you get married in in the Torah that we say an expression. I learned this from our teacher Rev. Arlsebranski, and that is "Hareni at mekudeshes li." That's is this a man is saying this when he puts the ring on his wife, but oftentimes the word "li" is translated. I take you according to take you to me according mm -hmm. to the laws. But really the, the healthy and the better translation of that is you are me. Mm. You see, when a man and a woman realizes that that person is really me, it changes entirely how they look at that person because the right hand would never hurt the left hand. Yeah. And in our world, in a marriage, men and women are completely equal. It's always been like that and will always be like that because it's dependent on these two concepts of a, the masculine quality, the feminine quality and how they interact with each other. Mm -hmm. So that's a core belief. The other, the, other, the other core belief is that we need chemistry between us, but not chemistry like Hollywood defines chemistry because I haven't met anybody who can live up to a Hollywood movie yet. <laughs> But chemistry in the sense that it's not all about me. It's not the eye infection. And, and we need to have the ability to be tolerant of each other and yeah. care about each other and actually think about each other. Yeah. You know, and yeah. follow, follow good guidelines and good principles. It's beautiful. And I ask you, are you seeing young people before they go into marriage? Because they need to hear this. Yep. That's one of the reasons why I agreed to do this podcast because I'm usually a bit shy around those things. And, and that is because I have a, a really strong belief and a strong passion that it needs to be taught, that needs to be taught in schools. And yes, I do pre-marriage work. I also teach at Mercos, which is a seminary here. I used to teach at the Smicha program, the, the rabbinical program that we had here. Um, and it's really important that young people realize that they're part of a great tradition that goes back a long time. Yeah, yeah, wow. It's really powerful. And I'm so glad that there were and are still schools that value that to share it with young people before they get into marriage. So they have a better understanding before they dip their foot into this wonderful world of marriage. And um, that we do have so much in our Torah that can allow us to grow and to become better and that psychology and Torah can actually work hand in hand. I'm curious to know um, in relationships with our children, are there any specific beliefs that you have that, or, or, or core knowledge that you can share with us about relationships with children? Again, the, the, each of your questions, I've reflected on them when I was preparing for today. They're amazing questions, Sterny. They're, mm -hmm. they're really deep and powerful questions that really deserve much better answers than I would give today. But I would just say a few points. Sure. The first point is to know that children are much more resilient and vibrant than sometimes we give credit for. They have the ability to be able to shift and change, but they need guidance. People come to me often and they're, they're worried that, you know, maybe they would be too toxic or maybe this or maybe that. Sometimes it is true. And that's not what I came here today to talk about. But what I want your listeners to understand is that if you take a room and you make it perfectly pitch black and then you light a match, the whole room lights up that sometimes with children, <clears throat> when you are able to recognize and reflect inside yourself about them and about their needs and about what's going on with them, and maybe even begin to, to say, maybe I need to do things differently and appreciate who they are and accept them as individuals as their right to be. Sometimes we even say, I'm sorry. And that goes a long way, but they will blossom because what they remember most, and I know because I've been working with children since 1978 who've been really hurt, you know, mm -hmm. really abused and hurt and working with all kinds of kids. Mm -hmm. And I'm not trying to whitewash this and I'm not trying to, you know, generalize too much because it really deserves mm -hmm. something bigger. So I'm generalizing, yes. Mm -hmm. And that is the kids can shift and change. There's mm -hmm. another thing for mom and dads to remember 
And that is that what's one of the objects of being a parent is to get your kids ready for, to become the next generation and to create the next generation. That's right. There was, there was an American named Mark Twain. Well, you're American, so you know Mark Twain. I always laugh, especially I say this a lot in mediations. And that, that is that um, he said when he was 18, he thought his father was rather stupid. When he turned 21, he was surprised to see how much his father learned in three years. Yeah. <laughs> I, I always take heart to that. Yeah. Um, and I also share that uh, our kids, thank goodness, grew up really beautiful. Do you know why? Mm-hmm. It's their mother's <laughs> fault. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's and, a great and, attitude. And just, just have confidence yeah. that you don't have to be perfect as a parent. Yeah. You just have to be okay. Yeah, yeah. Do you agree? Uh, I understand Rabbi Chase Taub talks about transmitting values, and that's what a parent is supposed to do to transmit values, more importantly than obviously making children in our clone or, you know, acting and behaving in exactly the way we think is appropriate. I'm just curious your take on that. Well, children really respond to what you do more than what you say. Yeah. So if they see you as a parent living with good values, like in my family, I saw, I see my mom and I saw my father live with amazing values. Like my father told me before he left this plane, he said that, you know, I never opened up any of your mom's mail. I said, why? It's just because it wasn't mine. And he was a lot wiser than I am. And my mom's a lot wiser than me. And their relationship was a beautiful relationship and I witnessed that and so I saw that so if you want to teach good values to your children you have to exhibit the values you want to teach to them but you also want to help them explore their feelings around things remember that children need to express feelings but they usually don't express them in the way we're used to yeah. and the behaviors that children are exhibiting have a relationship to the feeling they're going through. So this mm-hmm. ability to be curious about things with them and yeah. to help them through things and to talk with them is really important. Yeah, yeah. that's beautiful. And uh, I'm just curious, you've given a couple of personal examples of how you know your techniques, how you've seen them with your own parents. Um, is there any example, a personal example of how the techniques you're referring to help you personally? Oh yeah, but I'm not sure I want to go into detail, but I will explain one one concept. Yes. You know, growing up, it's kind of like, no matter how wonderful things are, you, you're still going through a twilight zone. So in high school, I probably struggled a fair bit with my own feelings and who I was as a person and probably felt that if people had been nicer to me or not teased or included me more, I probably would have felt a lot happier and you know, more self-esteem. I left high school and evolved and something I realized probably changed how I look at life. And that is my personal happiness, our personal happiness is not dependent on what you do. Because if we're waiting for other people for our personal happiness, we may never get that feeling of happiness. So you have to learn to explore who you are as a person. And you can cherish other people. You can love other people. You can respect and appreciate other people. In fact, you by feeling that you have a sense of who you are, you actually love other people more, okay? And you can let go of the things that bothered you. It's not their fault. I'm the one who's responsible for me. Mm, and then yeah. once I realize that, or any person realizes that, you can celebrate. Yeah. Then, well, then you go through life celebrating. It's so powerful when you take your own responsibility. But I think, you know, I think people still struggle with that and blame others for their unhappiness mm-hmm. rather than looking to themselves. What can I do to fulfill what my mission is rather than worrying about what other people are doing to me? It's my reaction kind of thing. How do I react to it? And um, I'm just curious if you can tie in some of those beautiful Torah theories that we were learning about earlier with the popular anxiety and depression modules that uh, 
generally are being uh, used in this day and age, in modern times. I'm not sure if there's more anxiety than there ever was before, or if people are just happy to talk about it. I'm curious if there are any specific Torah theories that you can connect with giving people a sense of, you can get out of this web of anxiety and depression that people often fall back into. Well, first of all, let's let's understand that anxiety, anxiety and depression are very difficult for people. Yeah. It's not a simple operation. And yeah. anything I say is generalizing. I feel, have a great deal of empathy for people who are going through anxiety and depression because most of the world probably doesn't realize how much that affects other people unless one has actually experienced it. I think Torah certainly gives you room for that. The Rebbe has written thousands of letters helping people. And most of those, so many that I've read, all of them that I've read, in fact, are just the most amazing concepts that merge perfectly with modern therapy. And one of the principles that Rebbe brings down is the idea that if we realize we're not alone, I know this is a very the spiritual part of it. If we realize we're not alone, if we realize that the creator is with us at every moment in time, every second that's happening in this existence is being orchestrated and every experience is being orchestrated. It doesn't mitigate for people sometimes the real experience that they've gone through and the pains they've gone through, but it begins to create a paradigm that allows them to think about things and maybe begin to shift. I can't understand why anybody's gone through what they've gone through. It's beyond my wisdom to know why human beings suffer and what they've gone through. But well, then the next phase that the Rebbe is saying, so you can then help a person. And this is really a principle in working with OCD, with anxiety, and that is help a person to begin to distract themselves away from the debilitating anxiety and to help people to fill their mind with something else. And so sometimes what that can, for one of the therapies that I use with people is, a muscle, is an example that I've sort of made up. And that is, you have a background, you, people can't see this because it's a podcast, but you have a background with waves yes. in, your, in your Bondi Beach <sighs> paradise. And um, waves come and go, but underneath waves, sometimes there's a rip. And that rip, or I, I'm not sure if it's called a rip in Australia, but it's a current, an undercurrent. And that can drag people out into the ocean and they panic and they get scared. And so they fight against it. And, but the problem fighting against it is you don't have the strength to, uh, to be able to manage it. And so people, God forbid, they drown sometimes. Yes. But surfers have taught me, first of all, surfers said they love rips because it takes them out to the deep end where the best yes. waves are. Yes. But they've taught me a technique and I apply this in therapy. And that is dog paddle in your place when you're in a rip. Just let it take you out, but dog paddle. Second, see how big it is because underneath the ocean, it's discoloring because the sand is banging against the floor and coming up to the surface and then see where the land is. Mm. And then swim 45 degrees perpendicular across the rip and you'll get out. Yeah. Now, this you can apply to anxiety and panic. And that mm -hmm. is, whenever a person's going through something, know that every anxiety is time limited. They yeah. all have a beginning, a middle and an end to them. And yeah. that if you reassure yourself with reassuring messages and sort of dog paddle, you have a better chance to be able to navigate yourself through it. So this is an example of how you can take the, the, the therapy the Rebbe prescribes by distracting and filling it with something and aiming towards what you want to do in terms of reclaiming. You know, it's interesting you bring that up. We were just uh, on Shabbos, we walked to the beach. We're only allowed to exercise. So we just walked to the beach and back and looking at those waves and the only people out there were those surfers and you're so right. Like they look at it as an opportunity. That wave that's coming is an opportunity for something bigger and better on the other end. What good is going to come out on the other end? And it also reminds me when you talk about the Rebbe of how the Rebbe encouraged Viktor Frankl to produce his manuscript. I was very touched by the story of how the Rebbe cured so much to send a woman to, I think it was Vienna, to remind him 
that his work is so powerful and the concept of logotherapy is gonna be so helpful in our struggles today and searching for meaning. And it really ties in with what you're saying that, you know, if you put meaning to something and you look at the bigger picture, it's not just the wave that's crashing. Where is this gonna get me? How much stretching am I gonna do from this? What positives are gonna come out from this? And you hold on to that, you will come out on the other end and not drown as you say. Um, and how the Rebbe cared to allow this man who's been through the Holocaust and almost lost his whole, I think he did lose his manuscript and had to rewrite it again and start from scratch and how much benefit the world has got from that. The fact that the Rebbe cured and reached out to this uh, psychotherapist and allowed him to find his meaning and then give meaning to everybody else. You know, it, it just, it, it touched me a lot. And um, I find that what you're saying is so powerful and it's so important for people to hear. I wish that we can bring a bigger platform for you because you've got a lot of goods to share with the world. And I'm hoping that this podcast will open up a, a further dialogue. I think it's so, so powerful. Um, and I also understand that sometimes I'm sure it is that you might be the last place people come to before it's, you know, the drowning before it's like, it's over. I can't do this anymore. Why do you think people wait so long to get help? Or why do you think people wait till they're in the deep end of that rip before they realize I need to get out now? Sometimes people are afraid. They're yeah. afraid a little bit, you know, because it's a bit scary to go and explore all that stuff. And they're kind of hoping that things will work out and they've learned how to do things the patterns mm -hmm. they learned as kids and the things we yeah. learned from our parents, negative, positive, you know, and, yeah. they're, and they're a bit afraid sometimes. Yeah. But sometimes if we just put our feet a little bit into the water, we'll find out that it's actually refreshing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you believe that we can get people to reverse course and stop their judgment and blame and negative cycles and actually use that as a springboard for further good? Oh yeah, if I didn't believe that, I, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing all these years. You see that often in, in mediation. You see yeah. that in family law mediation, which I'm um, very lucky and fortunate that I, I'm allowed to do that. And I'm with wonderful professionals, yeah. my guides and mentors and friends. Mm -hmm. um, it's, people come in with sometimes a sense of weakness. Yeah. I've been hard done by. Mm -hmm. But the idea is to create a transformative process where they can begin the journey to transform the weakness into a strength, into resiliency. You know, and, and I can't emphasize enough the idea of friendship because really with your spouse, like I look at my wife, Timmy, I, I often will tell her that she's my best friend. Sometimes I joke as you might be my only friend, but, <laughs> but thank God I have a lot of friends, but the, friendship is really important. And yeah. you see that in marriages. And sometimes yeah. people come in to a, a session in a marriage, a counseling, marriage therapy kind of a thing, and they think they've reached the end of their tether. They think they're, they've, they're gone, you know, it's finished. They're tired, it hurts yeah. too much. Yeah. But sometimes when you help them just uncover what's going on and they get past the veneer, they can make a shift. And that shift is marvelous. I don't take credit for any of those things. I, I look at it as the one above is creating the shifts and the people themselves are, are doing the work. I saw a family, you asked for an example once in, yes. in your questions. I saw a family once and they were so upset with each other. You know, they had a lot of children and they came in and they had years of arguing and it all came to an apex over something and mm -hmm. She was letting him know that she was dissatisfied with um, a lot of things. Doesn't help around the house. He doesn't do this. He doesn't do that. He works long hours. And he was upset that the house was messy, et cetera, and, and that she's doing this, she's doing that. And then she said, you don't make enough, et cetera. And it just went in circles. And that's what I call the circular kind of argument. You know, like in the old cartoons in the 40s and 50s, there was this cartoon where you'd see a horse and a dog or a dog and a cat. And if any of your listeners can ever direct me to these cells, 
I'd love to have one because I've been looking for 20 years. Mm. And that is, you, you see a blur on the screen and then one of them jumps out and looks at the other one chasing himself. That's yes. what I often see in, in, in counseling. But to make a long story short, in that situation, I looked at the both of them and it dawned on me, you know, I looked at her to the mom, was, they're both lovely people. And I said, you know, it feels to me like you feel like you're not appreciated. She goes, yeah, that's true. I had a really hard day. Mm. And I looked at him and I said, it feels to me like you're saying you haven't, you don't feel respected. Mm. Says, you got that. For them, past the veneer, what was creating a lot of tension. Yeah. And I'm simp simplifying it. Yeah. We're talking about a lot of meetings. For them, it was this feeling of feeling appreciated and respected. Yeah. So sometimes when we go past the veneer, you can see what's really going on. And once you see it yourself as a person, your intuition takes over yeah. and you have the ability to make a shift. Wow, I think, I think that story is really powerful because for many men and women and, and, and my clients as well, that's pretty much what it boils down to. She's not feeling appreciated and he's not feeling respected in many, many cases. And just finding the time to share with each other as they did when they were dating or making a date night or spending that time and showing each other how much they value each other could work wonders. Um, I'm just curious, it sounds like that was one of your success stories. And I'm, I'm loving to hear that you were able to turn the course around and, and change the way that marriage went. Do you have another story we can end with, a takeaway story or a message that uh, we can take and apply? Um, you know, the astronaut said that if he had 10 seconds left in space of air, he'd take the first nine to think. Yes. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's hard to give one, one story. I think just for listeners to realize that you're very special. You're wonderful, beautiful people. You're wonderful, beautiful persons. Allow that wonderfulness who you are, that beauty, that love to come out. Sometimes it's hidden. Sometimes it's behind, yeah. you know, but it's there. Yeah. And it's just a matter of learning how to let it come out again. Yeah. And just be with each other, help each other and care enough about each other to be concerned about another person. You know, oftentimes in our world, in the, in the Torah world, we all are asking what's it gonna to take to bring the final redemption? Yeah. I think a lot of things. One, the Rebbe was saying to us that we need to be conscious that there's a change and be aware of it and be aware of what Mashiach is or Messiah is. The other practical thing, to go and help another person. Take care of the person who's standing next to you and appreciate who you are. I guess I'll leave them, the listeners, with one last concept from the Baal Shem Tov, who's a great Jewish Rebbe. Mm -hmm. There was a blessing given to Abraham in the Torah that his descendants will be as numerous as the stars in the sky. And so he ask the question, why is this blessing? And he answers it by saying, if you look at the stars tonight, if it's a clear night, they twinkle, but they're very far away. If you look at the sun at midday, you can't look at it because it's so bright. If you look at another person and all you see is their outside veneer, then they'll look like a star twinkling in the, in the night. But if you take the time to look inside, and see another person's soul and their, and their preciousness as a person, you see how much they glow and how beautiful they are. So we need to take care of each other and to yeah. love each other and take care of ourselves. Yeah, thank you so much. I guess what you're saying is also, we gotta be lamplighters for each other and light up each other's souls because we all have this beautiful soul inside. We just have to bring it out. And, and you're so right. Um, you're so right in what you're saying that if we just take away the veneer and get to the core of it, we all have a beautiful soul. It just has to be given a chance to shine. And especially in marriages, it's not by accident that people met each other and got married. These are two souls. Let's try and shine them and brighten them together. And I just wanna thank you. You've given us so much time today, really 
and truly taught me so much. And um, I want to thank you. Thank you. I want to thank you for the marvelous work you're doing. We're all on a mission together, the whole human race. We're here for a purpose, as you know, you know, and I know that's to bring godliness back in the world, Hashem back in the world in a revealed way. But you're doing marvelous stuff. And I didn't get a chance to ask you questions. You asked me questions. But I really appreciate all the work you're doing. And thank you so much for allowing all of us to be part of your world. Thank you. Thank you so much. And really, I would love to do a part two because it was so inspiring. I'm very inspired from this and I'm sure the listeners will be as well. And um, if anybody wanted to contact you, is there a possibility yeah. that they can be in touch with you? Yeah, they could email me if they wanted to. Okay, so I guess they would be in touch with... Yeah, they can email, but I, I don't give advice over emails. Sure, of course, of course. Yeah. And thank you so much, Kalman, uh, for your time and for your absolutely beautiful explanations of what marriage is and putting Torah and modern psychology together to help us become better people. And to and really, I felt that you're basing a lot of your things on Hasidus and on the Rebbe's work. And it's so inspirational. And I want to wish you immense success in your work and you should have immense nachas from your family, your beautiful beautiful relationship with um, with Timmy, who we all know and love. And Hashem should bless you to see many, many fruits of your labor in health, with Parnassah, with Menuchas and Nefesh, and in every way. And we should be zacha to see the Geula Bakarov. With Mashiach now. Yeah, All the blessings you gave to me, double back to you and to all your listeners and to all existence. Thank you so much. Thank you, Kalman. Thank you so much. May Hashem bless you. And we look forward to our part two. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye.